Mike Zimmer talked to the media for the first time since he was officially hired as the Cowboys defensive coordinator on Monday. And boy, did he drop some good nuggets. And honestly, you gotta like him. Let's talk about it, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me uh, if you enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, on a Wednesday night. It is a... Uh, uh, it is a night to talk Cowboys football, and I say that for a specific reason. Just wanted to start this show off by saying that, uh, and I've already seen some comments on it, of course, in the chat, and I totally un understand that, of course. I uh, just want to say that even though we're going to talk about like uh, football today and try to have a, a good time, man, it is it is tough to do it sometimes when we get devastating news like what happened today in Kansas City while the Chiefs were supposed to have a memory-making Wednesday, but not in the way that it turned out to be. So really, honestly, heartbreaking news, what we witnessed today. Uh, not sure there's anything that I can say about the situation that could make it better. I, I'm pretty sure that I can't. Uh, my only invitation for from me to you is to stick with those credible sources because I know a lot of uh, stuff goes on when, when a situation like the one in Kansas City arises. Uh, that's really the only thing uh, that I can think of. I, I know that over on ADCSports.com, we were, of course, sticking with the facts and just avoiding anything that could make the situation worse. So, yeah, just wanted to say... We're going to try to have a fun time tonight, uh, but at the same time, it feels super uncomfortable to start an NFL show and, and not even mention it, right? So hearts out to the people of Kansas City, hearts out to Chiefs fans that we're just trying to have a, an amazing, unforgettable Wednesday, but again, in the positive way, not in the way that it turned out uh, to be. So hopefully the updates that keep coming through at least uh, get better and better and, you know, Let's do this, man. Let's try to have a, a fun time talking some Cowboys football here and, and try to smile a little bit while we're doing it. Uh, by the way, let me say hi in the chat. Having said that, uh, shout out to Katharina for being here in the YouTube Facebook audience. Uh, Gregory, shout out to you, sir. Toxic Tom, we've got you here in the chat. Uh, shout out to Steve Scoggins, who says, hello, long time, no C A to Z. We've got Dan Williams as well over on Facebook. Shout out to you, Steve. Thank you for being here again. Uh, also, shout out to Travis Powers and everything who is joining uh, the show right now. So today is a day where we're just going to talk about Mike Zimmer's press conference, man, because it was a fun one. Uh, he went for over 35 minutes with including like Mike McCarthy's time, of course, but it was his first time talking to Cowboys media. And inevitably, he faced a lot of questions that we were all dying for him to respond, right? Among those, Micah Parsons came up. And although the answer wasn't precisely what Cowboys fans were hoping for, it at least gives you an idea as to what 
Mike Zimmer might be thinking about. And we'll get to that in a little bit here on the show. But first, let me just say, first impressions right out of the gate. You just got to know that, hey, Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer really is in a place where he talked about what we've been talking about for all these days. And, and I think that is an obvious thing that was going to happen in his first press conference. But it is pretty reassuring when we've talked about how tough he is on his players. They talked about how he sometimes has, has been called a jerk. And, you know, he tried to explain that, hey, it's not that I'm a jerk. It's that it's just my style. But he also clarified that, and I have the quote written down here. He said, you try to hit the buttons to make them better. And he mentioned this specifically talking about different styles of coaching to different players. And I bring this up first and foremost because we've talked about this. And, and we've seen the clips of him when he was a Bengals defensive coordinator and how he yelled at the players in there and, and also with the Minnesota Vikings. We know he's somebody that is different than Dan Quinn in that sense, in that Quinn is more of a, of a player's coach, right? He's friendlier. He wants to be their friend. If something goes wrong, chances are he's not going to get on them as hard as Mike Zimmer does. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different style of coaching. However, I think one of the main questions that has popped up when talking about uh, somebody like Mike Zimmer for a lot of people has been, can he coach today's kids, right? Because obviously things have changed, not only in sports, but just like kids and generations are different each time and they keep being different and they keep being different to the point where older generations will always say about the younger generation that, hey, they they don't make them like they did before, right? Like they think these kids, man, today's kids, man, they're different. That's not, I mean, they're different. Yeah, but not in a bad way. It's just that always the older generation will think like that from by the younger generation. I'm 24 years old and I've got some friends that have told me like, hey, man, high school kids these days are crazy. And I'm like, man, really? <laughs> We've heard that forever and we're going to keep hearing that again and again and again. And I bring this up. Because some people have made it out to be a potential issue for Mike Zimmer coaching the Cowboys defense. And I think that the way that he put it on today's press conference was honestly the best way that he could have done it. He, first and foremost, he said the players that want to be great, they want to be coached. That's the first thing on Mike Zimmer's mind when talking about that question. And he also added what I just said about you know, you press the right buttons. And he talked about how some players that he had in the past, he didn't go as hard on them as with other guys, right? Because it's coaches are teachers. It's one of my favorite quotes, honestly, in sports, because it's very true. We think about coaches like these war strategists, and in a way they are when they're drawing up the X's and O's, we think about them as like these warriors but at the heart, they're teachers and they're trying to get their players to buy in. They're trying to get them to learn their schemes, their techniques and all of that. And I honestly think that if you do that right, then it's not an issue that they are, quote unquote, different players today. They're different than what Mike Zimmer might have dealt with 
when he was a defensive coordinator the last time, which was obviously a long time ago, right? Because the head coaching job is different than the defensive coordinator job, right? It's 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 more direct. The player interaction is like you're there, you're teaching them how to do it. You had Dan Quinn going with the Pats versus Cowboys defensive linemen in the last three years. So it's a different type of job. And people will go crazy with a Chris Richard clip. You know, the one that I'm talking about, Chris Richard going nuts on the sidelines, talking to Leighton Van Der Esch, Sean Lee. I don't remember the other player on that clip, but you know the clip. I know you do because a lot of people have used that clip as a, as a sort of argument to bring back Chris Richard. And that's the reason why. Like, it's not about the scheme. It's not about, you know, his potential play calling. It's not about him being a great teacher. People for a long time wanted Chris Richard back because he yelled at players. And I found it super uh, funny that that is the case because that video tells you nothing about Chris Richard. Now, I'm not knocking Chris Richard. I'm not saying that he is not a good coach or he was not a good coach. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying ultimately, Mike Zimmer being a, a, a hard ass on his players and being old school and getting on them and having a cool clip of him doing that when he was in Minnesota, when he was in Cincinnati, it's irrelevant. It really is. What matters is what he talked about today on the press conference, having different teaching styles to really get to the players and being, you know, all about coachable players. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter if you yell at them or not. And again, we've seen coaches with very different approaches to the actual job that these different approaches work, but you just got to know how to go about them. Uh, there was, you know, uh, Mike Zimmer was having an example of a player that didn't like to be called out in front of other players. And some people will say, oh, what a coward. But Mike Zimmer understands like, hey, it's not a coward. It's just he's a human being. He has some things that he likes and some things that he doesn't like, Right. Everyone learns differently. And, and it sounds like we're talking about uh, students on a, on a high school or a middle school or whatever. But we've been taught these things in school where, hey, are you, are you a visual learner? Do you got to do the damn thing? Do you got to read up on it? Do you got to write an essay about it? Do you got to do a presentation about it? Like these are obviously actual school examples that I'm giving you. But the same goes for NFL players. And it's only fair that a player... Uh, is not going to really buy into it if you're yelling at him and, and you know, uh, calling him out in front of players. And Mike Zimmer said, I, I will adjust to that, right? And he talked about how although he has like this jerk personality or character, I will say, um, how players still love him. And I think that people who have been around football have been noticing this for a long time. Like if you've been around football in any way, shape, or form, you're going to see that um, these guys will usually love their coaches when they were hard on them, when they were tough on them. And players will always love those coaches uh, as long as there's a line, obviously, right? Because there's also some horror stories in some of these players, right? And as long as they also go about the teaching process correctly and they actually coach their players and not gel at them.
Because you can yell at them and, and, and you can be hard on them, but that doesn't mean you're coaching them, right? <laughs> Mark says, hey, everyone, is Mo yelling at everyone? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, you know, talking about yelling coaches. <laughs> oh, man. I just, I hate to do this, man. I hate to do this. They say that you never you should you should never respond to these trolls. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm also a little bit I'm amused by the irony on this comment. Frank Lopez says, "What is this little boy, 13 year old, 10, excuse me, 13 years old, saying here? Get the f out of here, kid. Your dog's waiting at home for you. Plus, it's past your bedtime." The irony <laughs> about that one is that if I'm a 13 year old, like I have dogs in charge of me i don't know man it's just frank hope everything's good with you man <laughs> and hope that you're having a fantastic uh wednesday which seems like you are not but if you want to talk about it we can talk about it don't worry uh shout out to gregory here who says mo please read my comment above my last comment uh let me try to find it very quickly uh where is gregory's comment because i'm assuming it's about uh mike simmer and I got to get to it, though. But I, I cannot see it, Gregory. Trying to find your last comment. And I just see, oh, here you go. It's on Micah. Micah should stay a rusher. They need to hire or draft someone else to stop the run. And believe me, Gregory, we are going to get to it uh, pretty soon here. We're going to get to here uh, to that pretty soon. Shout out to the Facebook audience, by the way. <laughs> Frank has been very quiet now. Frank, Frank, Frank is gone now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for the YouTube audience who is not aware of what's going on on the Facebook end of things. Uh, but anyways, that's what I like the most out of Mike Simmer's press conference. And you can talk about being disciplined. You can yell about being disciplined. You can get on players and all that. It doesn't matter if you don't, if you don't have the results that show that you actually have disciplined teams. And if somebody knows anything about that, it's Cowboys fans who every year have listened to the same pitch about our priority this year is cutting down on the penalties. We will be a more disciplined football team. And yet, year after year after year, it's an issue. Penalties have been an issue for all of Mike McCarthy's regime, even if he's done some good stuff, uh, obviously, as the head coach of the Cowboys, leading the team to three consecutive 12-win years. But the penalties have always been an issue. So when you've got somebody who is telling you, Man, I am all about discipline. I'm all about accountability. I'm all about, you know, being tough and a, a smart, fundamental-based team. But he also has the results to show for it. Then the, the pitch hits different, right? It's not a salesman trying to tell you, man, I'm, I'm, hey, this pen is going to change your life. No, no, it's him showing you that the pen actually works and that it actually will change your life one way or the other. So I like that about, about uh, Seamer's press conference. And then there's a Mike uh, Parsons thing where he didn't really provide us with a lot of detail. But I think it's easy to get an idea as to where this might be headed, right? So he was asked about Micah, and I'm going to read you the full quote from him on that. He said, obviously... He's a terrific player. You watch him on tape and he makes some unbelievably athletic plays. At this point in stage right now, I'm trying to figure out, get the coaches in here, and then we can sit down and talk about it. I think one of the strengths that I've always had is to look at players and have a vision 
for each player and try to figure out how we can use them in the best way. And he added, he added that uh, one of the things that I'd hate to do right now is to tell you how I'm thinking about playing him without talking to him and letting him know this is what we're thinking about doing with you, Micah. I don't think I should tell you guys first before I tell him. Which is obviously a very fair way to put it. Like Mike Zimmer telling reporters, I'm not about to tell you what the plan is for Micah when Micah himself hasn't even sat down with me to talk about it. I think that's pretty fair. But I also want to say something that has been in my mind since the press conference earlier today. I also think... I also think that... uh. If you are objective about the situation and you look at the incentives for each character here, I don't think it's a I don't think it's exactly a situation where Mike Zimmer has 100% of a say in what is going to happen with Micah, right? Even less so in a team like Dallas where the front office is also somebody with uh, like a, a character with some weight in decision making. Right. But mostly, I think that it's not, uh, uh, as I said, uh, a decision that is going to be all Mike, uh, Mike Simmer. In large, in a large, large way, it's going to be a Micah decision, too. And we know that Micah is entering the first offseason in which he can negotiate a contract extension. Now, I'm not talking about Micah Parsons being selfish or anything like that. You know how I feel about Micah. I think he should be an edge rusher pretty much full time. If you want to mix and match some looks here where he surprisingly drops back in coverage, I mean, maybe you can do it. But I'm all for Micah playing defensive line, uh, whether it's over the center, over the, th the guard, over the tackle, whatever you want to do, just have him go at the quarterbacks. I think that's what he does best. And I think that's where he provides the most value in that's my take of things um we also know that's the cowboys take of things more or less because that's what they've done with them over the last couple of years we have not seen micah be the versatile player that maybe we thought he was going to be in his rookie year when he started playing off ball linebacker and then slowly transitioned to edge rusher at first because of injuries for dallas and then he stayed there because Dallas suddenly realized, oh, snap, we've got we've got a Lawrence Taylor-type talent here. And they just left him there. Uh, but over the last couple of years, we do know that the Cowboys have made Micah Parsons into a full-time edge rusher. We also know how edge rushers get paid and how off-ball linebackers get paid. So if you're thinking about Sticking with Micah Parsons long-term, you also got to do a little bit of what he wants to do. And what he wants to do probably is get to the QB. And I say that for two reasons. It's where the money is at, but also it's where Micah himself has said, that's where I'm the most valuable. And he's spoken about, you know, if I'm dropping back to coverage, they're taking shots at us because they they know I'm not getting after the QB. And I will say, the film does back that up. The film does show you that what Micah Parsons is claiming in that sense is true. We've seen it. 
we've seen the cow we've seen Cowboys opponents take shots at Dallas when Micah is not getting after the QB and basically not getting there in under three seconds. So I just want to be clear about Mike Zimmer not having total control of what he will do with Micah Parsons. It's an it's a mandatory question. He needs to ask it, right? And then after the, the after the wildcard round loss to the Green Bay Packers, when Micah Parsons' first podcast episode went out, the one where he talked about Jerry Jones talking about going all in and the one where he's in a couch basically relaxed and talking about, you know, Micah and, and, and the Cowboys defense and everything. One of the things that he says is that he isn't opposed to playing linebacker and maybe for some reason or maybe just because he was just talking and didn't think it through, he did clarify in the playoffs. Like he said, I'm fine with playing whatever you want me to play in the playoffs. And maybe that meant that because that doesn't impact his contract negotiations in the future or his value in the future. Or maybe he just said it because it came to his mind and he just blurted it out. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm not entirely sure, again, that Micah will, uh, that Mike Zimmer will have a 100% say or vote on what Micah Parsons' role will look like in 2024. Uh, spoiler alert, I think we're still going to see Mike Parsons, the edge rusher. Now, interesting point being made here in the chat from Toxic. He says, one thing I hope Zimmer can do is help develop Micah in a leadership role. Now, interesting because it's also fourth year of, of Micah Parsons in the NFL, and you do want to see these players maybe take a, a more active role in leadership. I'm not exactly sure. Like, in a way, you got to know that, hey, Micah is some sort of a leader just by the way that he goes about things, right? Talking about being great and telling players, because we know he he's talked about that before, about, uh, you know, discussing what you need to sacrifice and all that to be an all-time great and all that. But it's it's a fair point in the sense that you've even got C.D. Lamb, who had a fantastic year in the regular season, saying that I'm quiet, that, I'm that hey, I don't lead, basically, is what C.D. Lamb said, right? He said, I, I got to be more active. And he said it in Micah's podcast, actually, um, which I know people don't like. People don't like players podcasting these days. And I, I understand. I'm not against not liking it. Like, I fully understand, especially from the fan perspective, why some people are not into that at all. But I also have that feeling that it doesn't really impact his play or his uh, performance because we still saw him dominate throughout the entire season. Let's see what you guys have to say, though, in the chat. Uh, Michael says, and, and you know, there's always going to be all sorts of opinion when we talk about uh, Micah's role. Uh, Michael H. here says he needs to learn to do it all if he's going to play full-time edge. like set the edge, and play the run. But I'll also argue that I think acting like Micah does, doesn't does know how to defend the run is also unfair because we've, we've seen, I know it's not like his thing. His thing is getting after the QB. But in games like, what was that game where he went crazy versus a run? Like the Detroit Lions game. You go watch that one. And you tell me that he's not playing the run like he needs to run it, like he needs to play it. It was a good game from Mike Parsons. Shout out to Lord Nova. He's also joining the show. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. Uh, 
had a comment that I wanted to read here. Gilbert, who says, it's right, it's right. He got got to be held accountable for their position on the field, but lots of Cowboys players take play of and take themselves out because they're tired or frustrated in the game. Uh, they break down to being care about themselves, not a team player at all, and they need to start cutting players or sit them down, says Gilbert there in the chat. So this was earlier when we were talking about like Mike Zimmer in general holding players accountable. Uh, one of the other things, and again, Mike didn't really reveal anything about Michael Parsons. He addressed the question, which was, you could have seen coming from a mile away, right? That question had to be made, uh, but he didn't give any details away. It will be a process. I don't think that we'll know for sure what the full plan looks like for Micah until maybe like OTAs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but one of the things that also stood out to me in this presser from, from Mike Zimmer was a little bit about the game today, right? Last time that he coached, he was the head coach of the Vikings in 2021. So it's been a while for Mike Zimmer. And during that time, the Shanahan offense, which was already spreading across the league, spread it even further because now you've got more teams doing the or playing the Shanahan offense and all that. And he talked about specifically like fast motion, which is like that Miami Dolphins type Tyreek Hill runs out and then runs up field. The Cowboys suddenly adopted it with Jake Ferguson. They did it a lot with the tight end, right? Uh, basically just motioning horizontally from the inside to the outside and then just going vertical and changing the, the look for the defense at the last second. Uh, he talked about that emotion. He talked about jet sweeps and all, those, all that type of a jet motion. And all obviously that goes hand in hand with the Chanahan offense, which has a lot of pre-snap motion, pre-snap shifts, all of that. And he basically promised, right? He didn't use the word promise, but he said, we're going to have a plan for that, right? We can defend that. We're going to adjust to defend that. And it's a big part of the storyline for Mike Zimmer because that's one area when Dan, where Dan Quinn struggled. That's one area where he talked about taking some of what the Cowboys had done and then adding some of his own, especially with the language and everything, I would guess. But he talked about that. I think that's one part you don't want to keep. <laughs> How the Cowboys played against Shanahan-type offenses. Because the Cowboys were below average in the NFL defending those, according to EPA per play. And Mike Zimmer, between 2017 and 2021, he was above average versus Shanahan-type offenses. So... That's one area where you just want to start from scratch. How are we going to go about defending the white zone, the pre-snap motion? How are we going to go about all that? I'm not looking at the 2023 film or the 2022 film, or if I am, it's just to know what not to do. Theoretically, and this is just on paper, but the game is not played on paper, so there are a lot of details that go into it. For, but theoretically, playing split-field coverages and two high looks will make you more sound versus pre-snap motion and shifts. Like this is just football theory at this point. If you're playing cover two, if you're playing quarters coverage, you're going to be in a position to deal with emotions a little bit better because you're going to have better communication in the back end. You're going to have those two deep defenders or more if you're playing quarters. And you're just not, you, you're going to have the middle of the field open but you're going to have those two guys up there that are basically game changers. 
Dan Quinn didn't do any of that. The way that Dan Quinn stopped the run was basically by selling out versus it, right? We're playing loaded boxes and all that, having just the one safety up top. But if Mike Zimmer comes in and he starts varying the coverages a little bit more, that will also help in the run game. Sure, we're talking about coverages, which are pass game oriented, but it also helps the way that you basically distribute your responsibilities. The thing is, if you do play cover two and you do play quarters coverage, then you got to be able to play the run with a not loaded box, whether that's a seven-man box or a light box, right? That's what made the big Fangio defenses and the Brandon Staley defenses so popular in the NFL, that they would play with a light box and they would still defend the run extremely well because they had ways to implement the safeties or the defensive backs into the run fit, right? Maybe it was some sort of rotation or maybe it was some, you know, you don't have a gap, you just go and flow to the football and just go crazy. But they had a solid football foundation behind it to make it work. So if Mike Zimmer comes in here and then suddenly he wants to play more too high coverages, you know that the Cowboys are gonna have to, absolutely have to have the personnel to defend the run with a light box, with a seven-man box, with a not loaded box. Skywalker still talked about it today in the in the show that first-year defensive coordinators historically have gotten the Cowboys to invest in a lot of free agents, to bring in a lot of free agents to make their systems work. People have been asking for traditional linebackers, for bigger defensive linemen. I think the Cowboys could realistically get that with Mike Zimmer because you're going to want to do this. You're going to want to be able to defend the run without that loaded box. I've made a great deal about Dan Quinn's defense being a little bit underrated versus the run in that I've pointed out that, hey, in the three years that he was here, they were top 10 in the NFL, even versus the run per advanced metrics like EPA and success rate. But looking at it objectively, they were good against the run because of the loaded boxes in, in, if you're going to adjust and pivot from that, you got to be able to do this. You, you got to be able to defend the run with too high. And, and maybe that means having those uh, four-eye defensive ends where they're lined up over the tackle instead of on their outside shoulder. And maybe that means having those two big defensive tackles that can really control gap and a half instead of playing aggressive one-gap football, right? Which costed the 49ers defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, his job, by the way. And some people have argued that he, that Steve Wilkes did not have to be fired, but it was more of a philosophical thing with Kyle Shanahan, I believe, where, you know, he wasn't really building the defense based on the front. He was building it based on the coverage. Wendell Ferreira had an awesome article about it on adcsports.com if you want to go read that. And, and that's where that conclusion comes from. Uh, but yeah, man, just this is me just saying, I fully believe what Mike Seymour is pitching us in this press conference. He talked about discipline. You look at his history and he has had uh, disciplined football teams. He talks about being able to counter the motions and all that. And you look at his results and he's done that. And you look at the football theory behind it and it like it checks out. Oh, sure. Mike Seymour is actually going to be good at this because he does this and that, right? 
and it's difficult to be super excited about where the Cowboys are headed in 2024 because we don't know if they'll actually go all in. We don't know if they'll actually open up the wallet. But Mike Zimmer-wise, I'm in. I'm, I'm buying into that project for sure. Let's see what you guys have to say, though, in the chat, man. Uh, you mix cover with cover two. Uh, excuse me. Michael H. says, you mix up cover with cover two, man and zone, and make the QB think cover four, says here. Yeah, man, like just being more multiple that fact alone is going to help out the Cowboys' defense. As I've said, like Dan Quinn did a lot of things the right way. That's how you get the number one defense in EPA per play over the last three years. You don't get that by coincidence. But one of the flaws was absolutely sometimes being one-dimensional. one, uh, two, one, uh, excuse me, one Where I, If you're not running cover three, it's likely because you're running cover one, right? It's likely because of that. Now, speaking of Steve Wilkes, I would like him on this coaching staff. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie with you. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I would be all in on on Steve Wilkes for this coaching staff. Not entirely sure uh, how that works, but and if he would be interested. But I know a lot of people made fun of Mike Zimmer getting a phone call in the middle of the press conference and him saying that it was somebody looking for a job. And a lot of people being like, hey, man, let's go and let's let, let's make that Steve Wilkes. But we don't know. Michael H. argues that, hey, with that logic, Shanahan should have fired himself first. Uh, fire Wilk for allowing the winning touchdown, but want to fire himself for not scoring a touchdown, but kicked a field goal. Let's be honest here, though. Let's be honest here. Who here believes Kyle Shanahan should be fired by the San Francisco 49ers? Because I'll admit, Steve Wilkes had a good Super Bowl. Like, there's no way you can claim otherwise. But that defense also struggled mightily against the run, especially late in the year. And it wasn't because of injuries. They were literally bottom 10 in the NFL defending the run in the playoffs and over the last month of the of the season. I, I, I don't think that's, uh, you know... It's not a it's not a an easy decision there from Cal Chanahan. I was surprised at it. And I've also seen some people blame Cal Chanahan of making Steve Wilkes his scapegoat. The problem with that theory is that you gotta be in the hot seat to need a scapegoat. And I don't think Cal Chanahan was in the hot seat. I don't think a lot of people will think that though. Uh Gregory says no way. Kyle Chanahan is the best uh head coach. In the league, Mark Aaron says he would be the Cowboys' new coach as soon as uh, as soon as the news hit. Bye, bye, Big Mike. I was thinking about that. Cal Chanahan is fired by the Niners, hypothetically, right? Obviously, not going to happen. And he hits the market and he says, "You know what? I don't want to wait it out a year. I don't care if it's March already, almost. It's not March, but we're midway through February. But if he says I want to coach in 2024, somebody's firing their head coach." I'm not sure if it's the Cowboys, but somebody is firing their head coach to get Cal Chanahan. Michael H. says it was a scapegoat. You don't need a scapegoat when you are not going to be fired. You know what I'm saying here? Kellen Moore, a year ago, 
might have been like, hey, you know, my seat's getting hot and, you know, I want to call the place to save my job, which is not an uncommon thing in the NFL to have happened, right? Uh, Jason Garrett asked for, for the play calling duties before he was fired. He didn't get them. That was different. Now, that's a scapegoat. That's a scapegoat, right? When you're, when you're like, hey, man, you know, uh, Nick Sirianni firing Brian Johnson and firing uh, Sean Desai. Those are scapegoats because Nick Sirianni is in the hot seat. But Cal Tannen is not getting fired anytime soon. It, it was a long time in the making. If it was a, a scapegoat situation, you wouldn't have the... So just for context here, week seven, and this is not a 49ers show, but just because it's a, an intriguing subject, I'm going to dive into it very quickly and then just go back to the Cowboys. After the week seven loss for the 49ers versus the Minnesota Vikings, Cal Tanahan goes out there and he calls out Steve Wilkes for a late blitz that he called. And he's like, you just don't do that in that situation. And then there was another moment during the season where Steve Wilkes was calling the game from a coaching booth. And Kyle Tanahan was like, nah, man, you're coming down to the sideline and you're going to be here. And, you know, there was a disconnect there. Just looking at the facts, there was a disconnect. But anyways, you see that it says I almost threw up when you mentioned Jason Garrett Mo. Sorry about that. It was not my intention. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say. Toxic says Jerry would have picked Jason Garrett again over Chanahan. <laughs> oh, man. Now that one is going to make me throw up. But yeah, man, just in general, uh, that's what I like from the Mike Zimmer. Uh, Prester, additional notes that I have here in my notebook. He did say that he had another club reach out to him ahead of making his decision to come to Dallas. He did say, you know, this was the right situation. Gave credit to the Cowboys roster and was like, hey, they've been pretty good. Talked about being disciplined, well-coached, and understanding their role so everyone else could do their job. Kind of like a cohesive understanding of what defense works and how defense works, excuse me. And other than that, man, he did say at the end of the presser, like the process, because he was asked about, how do you get the running game going? And he said, first, got to fix the language, right? We got to get on the same page. And he even was pretty honest about it and said, they can tell me X player this, did that or that. And I'm not going to understand them because they're speaking a different language, which is so fun about football sometimes, how concepts are the same, but they can be named completely different according to whichever coach you're talking about. So they got to... Uh, fix that they gotta understand what is the technique they want to be playing and finally what personnel they're going to be using to get there anyways ladies and gentlemen that will be it for me tonight here on the show just a reaction from me to you of the mike simmer press conference if you haven't watched it and you want to you know be in tune with with mike simmer press conference i do recommend checking out the full uh, press conference, which is available on Dallas Cowboys YouTube channel. I would recommend that. Uh, but if not, man, I've got you. I've got you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show, man. Shout out to Lost in Translation podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to the show. Uh, hit the like button for me, and I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central, for the final show of the week. Hey, happy Valentine's Day. If you're going to celebrate it one way or another, I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, shout out to everyone in the show. Thank you for your comments. I'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Uh,